I'm in need of a wash and we haven't even started recording yet. <laughs> Welcome to Hand and Pot. after possibly the sweatiest underground train ride I've ever had in my life and since I forgot to introduce the other two last week I'll make sure I do it this week I'm sitting here with English Dan Hello Seba Hola and Australian Dan who's returned from the wine-soaked wilderness of Mendoza Hi, how are you? and is feeling a little bit sore about his um, success or lack thereof in, in the predictions uh, last week Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that no, of course. <laughs> I thought we'd rip the plaster <laughs> off early and you know get the get the pain out of the way. Then um, there is one really big talking point that, that we can't avoid this week, and that we're going to might as well dive straight in with. Uh, and it's it's not Dan's lack of ability to predict football matches. Um, Went wrong, but rather indeed, but rather more seriously, um, the the death of San Lorenzo fan Ramon Aramacho, who was. Well, reported in the papers as being just an ordinary fan, he got into a scuffle uh, with the police on his way into San Lorenzo's match away to Belas on, on Sunday, and who was beaten to the floor, hit a few times, and died of a uh, pulmonary cardiac arrest. Yeah, and a uh, hemorrhage. Hemorrhage, right. Yeah. 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 And of the lungs and of the... He was polytraumatised, according yeah. yeah. to, um, to medical services. It's, it's the first death in Argentina since the Ministry of Security started up a new campaign, how seriously or not they were taking it, but that's not the point, to get rid of violence in Argentine Stadia. Guys, it, it was a shock, obviously, and it's something that every time it happens, the media in Argentina always kind of start springing up and saying, oh, you know, we have to do get, get rid of this, we have to pay more attention to it, and, and so on. And it dies down within within the week, doesn't it? I mean, I, I remember you saying this server uh, a couple of years ago when, when something similar happened. You made a comment along these lines on my blog. Yeah, uh, three years ago, these two teams were playing each other, Vélez and San Lorenzo, big teams from from the city. And it's kind of a new rivalry because uh, San Lorenzo, of course, they play the big rivalries are, uh, are uh, Boca, River, Racing, Independiente, the, the, the other four of the big five, and also neighbors Huracan. But Huracan has not been doing well uh, over the years, and Vélez have, uh, have got a, a lot of success after the 90s, uh, or since the 90s. And so they, they kind of started a new rivalry between them, and it got ugly on the pitch when Ruggeri, the World Cup winning defender for Argentina in 86, used to play for San Lorenzo and Chilaver, the Paraguayan goalkeeper, play for Vélez, they, 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 they used to fight on the pitch all the time and then it transcended in, in, onto, into the stands and, and now uh, it's gone even outside of the stadium. It's, it's really, really one of the most dangerous fixtures to go to and three years ago um, this Vélez fan, he was going uh, on a bus Emmanuel Alvarez. Emmanuel Alvarez. He was going on a bus with uh, 
other fellow fellow Velezarfil fans and that, that bus got shot at and it is unclear whether it was San Lorenzo fans or Huracan fans on the way uh, on the on the way of the, the bus going to the San Lorenzo Stadium and after a while the match started normally and and then after a while Vélez fans started to try to break in, uh, into the pitch try to force the game to be abandoned because they heard that one of the fans one of the, the Vélez fans was killed uh, before the game and they got the, the game abandoned and the same thing happened uh, only it was at the, at the other stadium and a fan of the other set of supporters died and it was the same on top of it Vélez fans were throwing objects at Migliore, the San Lorenzo keeper who had to say he's a very controversial kind of figure but he was really brave in taking the goal like th two or three times even so he was being thrown millions of, of project projectiles and, and yeah. stuff going his way and and yet yeah, then San Lorenzo fans tried to break into the to the pitch and they forced the game to be abandoned after seven minutes um, because obviously they heard that one of their fellow fans has been killed and the circumstances were still unclear but now there is a video showing three police officers taking this fan uh, outside the perimeter of the security fences and two blocks away from the stadium and the fan was walking in his own power and then uh, that's, that's the was, last yeah. images you can see of frog him. marched as we might say in English so you know they had, they had their arms around him and he wasn't given yeah. a choice but he was he was very much still alive and conscious the latest reports that it, that it sort of depends where they're coming from I'm not sure but <clears throat> they were trying to kind of say that the, 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 the autopsy indicates that he wasn't killed by police beating him because of the whatever the, the way he he died. It wasn't. They said he had a few, a few kind of bruises on his legs and stuff. But I think it's it's going to be a matter of wait and see. And we have to wait for a few days to see whether he had drugs in his system or whatever. Yeah. I mean, but when a 36-year-old is suffers a heart attack and dies shortly after being set upon by a bunch of men with sticks, it's um, they, they can find. I mean, obviously, I, I would think that what the authorities are trying to do is find a way around having to say that it was the police. Although, having said that, an independent in inverted commas, tribunal has been set up to um, to investigate the police so that it, the police force aren't investigating themselves. In the so we should thing. get the results of that in about four years. Probably. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Well, maybe never. Maybe the never, yeah. Swift arm of Argentine justice. Yeah. Police said that the fan collapsed. Witnesses are saying he was hit by the police. And then in the autopsy, they're saying that the, the hits that he took were not enough for him to, to, to die. But they were right. enough. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I, I have a very nice snack in my mouth. They weren't enough for him to die, but they were enough to trigger the heart attack. Of course. Yeah, which of which course. killed him. Um, this is the issue. Yeah, really, it's, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, we might be able to update it a bit uh, next week when we find out what else, you know, if there's anything else in the system. Yeah, I guess, the, and now there is a new debate going on, especially from the media. They started triggering this debate on whether the federal police should still uh, have a role to play in, in Stadia and whether they are suitable to take care of the of security of fans and, and, and everyone in the community when, when there is a big game and I have to say uh, it's really it's really difficult to defend the police in this case because we've been going to football for a long time now and we know how they behave. You know exactly what the police are like, yeah, they're out to uh, protect their own backs and kind of keep the fans away from each other, they won't 
you know, they don't always act particularly altruistically. You know, they yeah. have to cover their own their own selves. They can do, and, and also they can do whatever they like. There, yeah. there are no consequences for them. No. Uh, Such as, I mean, if we, we we can move on to give a few examples from our own experience now, but one that was actually, I suppose, English Dan, you might have been there. No, you probably wouldn't have been in Argentina at the time, but the very, really famous incidents of when um, the, there was a policeman shown on television shooting rubber bullets towards racing fans and, and laughing while he was doing it, you know, all this kind of stuff. None of it particularly helps what's already a society with not very much trust in authority. Yeah, I think that's the problem. Well. Like you, you sort of worry about uh, the fact that if it comes out it was the police's fault, even less respect for the police at the grounds, meaning nobody's controlling things apart from... Bravo or mm. whoever says yeah, it's, it's even more worrying. Kind. The thing is, when I hate it when pundits here in, in Argentina they say, "Hey, look at how England did it. Look at how how they got rid of hooligans when they had a really big problem in the 80s." But I don't think there is a that, that comparison is fair because no, you can't compare the two. For it's me, it's absolutely a different world. Yeah. Not only the differences in in cultural terms between the two countries, but also the way these violent guys are acting and, and the way they are connected with the boards of directors of every club and they have uh, links with the politicians and they, are, they have businesses going on yeah, with the police. Yeah. So it's So it's a cancer that it's not going to be... It's not, it's not going to be solved uh, no. yeah. the same way it was in England. Yeah. That's something I've said over and over, kind of from the time I've been interested in football and more so when I've been interested in, in Argentine football. A lot of friends of a lot of friends of mine, Argentine friends, will ask me about the hooligans and are they still active and if not, you know, how are they cut out? And basically when it came down to it, the biggest thing that English clubs did to get rid of the hooligans was rise raise all the prices out of the reach of the common fan. Because, you know, we have to admit that the people that are probably gonna start violence are the ones that are on lower incomes or anything, but that also kind of cuts out the normal working person and probably, you know, 60% of the people that are going to go to Argentine football, 59.9999% of those and in never terms of trouble. Also, in, in terms of the proportion of, of average income that goes towards a football ticket in this country, it's, it's, it's actually a higher, high, you know, yeah. uh, a football ticket in relative terms is more expensive for the average Argentine than it is for the average Englishman. Yeah, I can and it's, so it's, it's not going to be the solution anyway. They can put when it they, when they're already getting free tickets. Exactly, because mm -hmm. the violent they, they will always have a free tickets from the from the boards of directors from their own club. They get transportation for free when they have to play abroad for Copa Libertadores or the local league anyway. And and not only that, they get enough tickets for them to to make an income by so, selling yeah. them. I mean, I, I'm not going to blame the police. Uh, alone about all the problems uh, with violence in Argentina, but they really are one key uh, actor in this in this business, because part of what they do, they do it on purpose, because they generate violence. When you go, when you go away to follow your team, you feel like a prisoner, you feel like you did something wrong, and, and, and the police w is there to make you pay for that, and it's not the case, it's never the case, but by creating this kind of climate in, in, in every Argentine fixture, they make themselves uh, wanted or needed mm. by the AFA or by the, the, the authorities. Yeah. They need, they say, okay, we send 700 police officers and there's still trouble, we need to send a thousand. Yeah. And, and then 
it goes on and on. It's a, it's a circle. And I as, can as you see. Said, a lot of the problem is the Navarro is getting tickets, which they can make a profit of. And that's, that's what gives them their power. And that's where you see fights between members of the, different factions of the same Mara. Uh, and a lot of people are killed that way. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people, but uh, yeah, I must say, a lot of the violence happens here. that way. I mm-hmm. must say, I've been here for, for nearly two years now. And this is one of the first deaths, I think, that I've seen actually in the stadium. There's been kind of scores of killings, you know, outside in gunfights between the different Barra and all this kind of thing. But actually in, in a football match, it's one of the first in the last few years. Well, obviously the, death, because the death toll was... Uh, sorry, the death toll was uh, published at 189 or something. Yeah, yeah. Th- there was one actually, funnily enough, at the same stadium um, last season. I think it was one of the, uh, and, and this is in the, my mind at the moment because obviously a week and a half ago I went to see River against Vélez Sarsfield and the River fans all had banners up towards a River fan who suffered a heart attack in the middle of the Popular at Vélez and died because the first aid people couldn't get to him. They had no ambulances. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, um, which obviously... You know, isn't actually anything to do with with violence in the stadium, but it's still symptomatic of, of, of a very major kind of issue with you know security and, and fan well, safety and everything. Uh, that another, seems to go by the wayside. Another factor you mentioned is like the all-seater stadiums, is, is that what they talk about in England. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, I went to the this new stadium in in La Plata, which was all-seater. But it's just Argentina just has a, a different way of doing things. I, I think I mentioned briefly there was like a a stand beside me, but for whatever reason, was completely closed off, or it had kind of uh, tape up saying that it was dangerous, do not enter, and there was a couple of stewards trying to keep people out. Eventually, just a mass of people just overran the stewards, and it wasn't hooligans or anything, it was like families, people with kids, old old men, just pushed past the stewards and filled up the whole, it would have been like 5,000 people in this stand, filled up the whole stand. Uh, and at the same time, like down the front of my stand, which is supposedly all seated, people had obviously come from cheaper seats, and just sort of stood at the front, like, mm. you, you can't... Yeah, you can you call wonder, it an all-seater, but it was... It, it makes you wonder how far it would have to go before real regulations started to have to come in. I mean, some people, particularly in England, might be reminded with that kind of thing of, of something like, say, the Heysel disaster, and might well wonder whether anything similar has happened in Argentina. The one that springs to my mind would be the the Gate 12 tragedy at River yeah. in, what, the 60s sometime, so? You've probably, you probably heard more about that. Number, I don't have that number, but yeah, it was... Yeah. When several um, fans, yeah. a lot of Boca fans ended up dying uh, because they were exiting a super classico, and for reasons that still it was about forty years ago, maybe thirty, thirty-five. But uh, I'm pretty I sure. I think it was in sixty-nine or seventy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the police had a had a role, yeah. an active role and, and in that still, one too. And they still don't know yet why now what exactly caused the. You know, there are people who say the gate was locked. There are people who are saying that there were River fans throwing flaming pieces of toilet tissue or whatever down on yeah, them and, and there and are so many different explanations for yeah, it no police, sure po- police uh, hitting the fans forcing them to go back to the stands and it hasn't hasn't been clear, clarified as uh, 40 or 50 years later and uh, we were living under a military government and the military government was of, of course taking sides with the police so yeah. Whatever you hear is probably not true. I mean, uh, <laughs> mm. that's my feeling uh, about that. And, and what about you guys? In a, personally, have you ever felt uh, in danger with going to the game? Well, I've been to a fair few away days with Racing, and there's been never really any kind of real danger, but definitely some close calls. I think one that springs to mind is a game against Tucumán in Tucumán, which is about 17 hours coach ride from Buenos Aires. And I did it, yes, I'm that <laughs> sick as a wrestling fan. And 
the game actually got called off after 20 minutes because of the most torrential rain I've ever seen. And so basically, we were exiting the stadium with flooded streets, and obviously, the Tucumán fans hadn't had their fill of football, so they thought, you know, a good way to satiate their bloodlust was to kind of hunt Racing fans. So it was kind of a madcap dash back to the hostel we were staying in, jumping off buses. I think one of them was a double-decker, kind of like long, long-distance bus, and there was about 300 people packed into this as we were going off, jumping back off, and then getting rushed by police and jumping back on. And to make things even more fun, we were also going with a guy who had a, a racing banner, which basically marked us all out as pretty much dead. But we managed to managed to escape in the end. So. So no bad, no bad times. It's a happy memory now. Yeah, I'm 33 now, and I've been going to football for since I was four, and I think I'm I'm really lucky because I never actually had a terrible experience. Mm. But I was really close to going uh, or, or being taken by the police when I was 18. I went to see Racing at the Huracan Stadium. It's a really big stadium in the city, and we were playing against Deportivo Español. They're playing in the lower divisions now. And so wrestling with the home team? No, we were the away team, and we were playing against them. They, they were using a big stadium to, okay. to play wrestling because it was a big fixture for them. And they were doing quite well. And I don't want to talk about the result. And, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Español, they were quite good in the 80s, in the late 80s. Um, so I went there. It was really... A really nice day to go to the football. Mm. There's no rivalry between them. There's impossible. There's uh, Espanol even going top of the table. They only bring 20 fans to to the ground. That's the how how small the team is. So I went there with my brother and I had a Palmeiras, the Brazilian team. I had a Palmeiras shirt and it was the Mother's Day. I'm, t- I'm t- telling you all the details, but I, as I was going as I was going to enter the, the the ground. I was going through the gate. I had my ticket and everything. And they, and this police officer said, uh, asked me how old I was, and I said I, I'm 18. Okay, so you're gonna have to come with me. And when a policeman said said those words in Spanish to you, me vas a tener que acompañar. You know you're in trouble. So he took me uh, to towards this place uh, in a corner where other fans were waiting for transportation to the police station. I, I, I had this terrible feeling I was going with them. And the reason was this policeman said, okay, there is a new uh, law in sports and the new regulation. You shouldn't wear shirts that, that doesn't belong to any of the teams that are playing today. <laughs> and you're wearing a Banfield shirt. And I said, no, 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 <laughs> this is not a Banfield shirt. This is a team from Brazil. And you can see here it says Palmeiras. It's not. And, and the guy said... Uh, it's too late now for explanations, <laughs> and you're going to have to come with me anyway. And that's another reason. They, they are there, and they are asked to bring in a number of fans for whatever reasons. Yeah. And if they make up those numbers, they did a good job, even mm. if they're, they're not making trouble. And I was, I swear, I wasn't <laughs> looking for trouble. And then I was lucky that my brother was there. He was two years younger. And if you're under the age of 18, they cannot take you to the police station. So... Uh, my brother was furious. He was even more furious than I was. And he said to the police guy, okay, if you take him, you're going to have to take me. And, and he asked him about, uh, about his age. He said, I'm 16. And he didn't know. He wasn't aware that they couldn't bring him. He mm. did it 
from the bottom of his heart. And till this day, I thank him because I don't know what what would happen to me. And then uh, the guy came back and talked to one superior officer or whatever, and came back and said, "Okay, uh, I don't want to see you, the the two of you any anymore. Just get out of here." And I I think I dodged a, a massive bullet there yeah. because yeah. I was looking at the other fans and I was fearing for my life because maybe these other fans will hurt me. I don't know. I yeah. was uh, it was terrible and. That kind of things, that kind of thing still happens. I mean, this happened in '95, and they're still doing the same things. They're looking for innocent fans, and they take them anyway, or they hit them, and that is terrible. That, that is something terrible because then, when I finally made it into the stadium, I looked at the Barra Bravas, and they were wearing Peñarol shirts. They were wearing <laughs> Crusade, all all yeah. sorts of shirts, and I'm sure they didn't have to go through to the security check or whatever. For, for my part, I think that I've, I've never really felt in danger apart from on one occasion. Um, two weeks after I moved out here last April, I'd, I'd been to games before when I came here to visit my, my ex-girlfriend, but always with her, and it was always River, which is a fairly, as Argentine Stadium go, it's a pretty relaxing experience getting into River. And two weeks after I got down here, I opted to take the very short journey from my place in San Telmo down to La Bombonera to watch Boca against San Lorenzo. Got there early and had to buy my ticket off the tout and I now feel, after some of the stories I've heard from other people, fairly lucky that the ticket that I bought was real and got me into the stadium. Um, what it didn't do, of course, is because I didn't have any choice about where I was buying it because the ticket offices at Boca don't sell to ordinary fans. Um, I ended up in the Popular, which is the area that the, the Barra Brava um, tend to congregate in Argentine Stadia and I have to say the match itself was incredible and the atmosphere was you know e- even though I'm a River fan I, I have to admit that it, it's everything that you know you're, you're told to expect of La Bombonera when you go to a classic it was absolutely electric not to mention the fact that most of the chants were you know chanting and insulting San Lorenzo which even as a River fan I was able to join in with quite happily <laughs> um, but then after the game when we were all being kind of kettled in, in Argentine Stadia there's a regulation that was brought in about 18 months ago which says that the away fans have to be out of the ground and well away from the stadium before any of the home fans are allowed out and in La Bombonera the, the lower tier which is where the Popular is um, is kind of it's all held in it's quite dark and dimly lit, particularly up at the back of the stand. And it was pretty much my stupidity. This this guy came up to me. I wasn't wearing a watch on my wrist um, because I didn't have one. And he kind of looked at me out the corner of his eye and then tapped me on the shoulder and said, have you got the time, mate? And stupidly, rather than just say, no, sorry, and look away, I tried to be helpful and I took my mobile phone out of my pocket <laughs> and told him I did and, and said it was half past ten. And he kind of, acting like he was a bit short-sighted, tried to get it closer to his hands and then took it, put a hand under his, in the pocket of his hoodie and told me that he had a knife in there and that if I did anything he tried to stab me, which I've since learned <laughs> he didn't, uh, almost certainly didn't have a knife. But at the same time you kind of think, well, if anybody in this stadium has got a knife it's probably going to be somebody in this stand. And, you know, you never quite know how many of the guys standing around me were his friends even though they were pretending not to be paying any attention or whatever. Um, and I felt quite shaken up for sort of the half hour that it took before they let us out of the stadium after that. He kind of disappeared into the crowd. Um, but it was a learning experience, and I'm from a very small village as well in, in England, and it kind of, uh, a couple of days previous to that, I got punched in the face waiting for a taxi home from a nightclub. Um, again, because I 
well, no, actually, that, that guy was just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't doing anything wrong there, or anything stupid. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of felt like a bit of a learning experience moving to a, a very, very, very large city indeed, after living in the English countryside for most of my life. Um, that, that was probably the kind of the worst that it's been for me, but uh, other than that, I haven't had any, fortunately, I haven't had any negative experiences in Argentine Stadia, although one time when the three of us, me and the two Dans, uh, took a couple of friends to All Boys. Dan, do you want to tell them about this, actually? Well, yeah, it wasn't something we that might we have mentioned involved it in such, briefly but... in uh, when we, one of the previous times we mentioned this match. Um. <laughs> it's, it's kind of famous on Hand Upon already. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I think it was basically we, if we'd been about 30 seconds slower or behind where we, where we were, we would have got caught up in a big... Uh, it was basically the, it was the Estudiantes coaches had gone down the wrong street or something and they were basically exposed to all the All Boys fans who just started running towards the coaches and sort of throwing things and uh, we would have been right in the middle of it had had we yeah had we been yeah. slightly more delayed and, um, the and then the following day the yeah, front, it, yeah it came out in the papers that a bunch of Estudiantes fans had was it Estudiantes fans had no, yeah 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 the Estudiantes um, so we just missed out on that one but yeah no but apart from that one I I had a few little incidents uh, when I first got here as well going to La Bombonera and um, Standing in the wrong place at the wrong time and mm. having rocks, um, big big chunks of cement landing near your head and stuff. Uh, yeah. But uh, but it's generally stuff that's happening to everyone else. And I, mean, I have to say, it's probably perhaps me and English Dan are, are the two most foreign-looking uh, <laughs> members of the Handball team. I, I got well, a lot you, of you guys will attest. I'm I'm a massive dude as well, and like I'm yeah. pretty scary probably for most yeah, people yeah, to, no, to fuck with. Exactly. Um, and a lot of people told me I look Scottish, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you might not be that. You might not be that side. <laughs> I think it's the red hair, Seb. I, I know, it. I know, yeah. But yeah, I mean, as, as somebody who looks kind of foreign, I was I was told by several friends who hadn't ever actually come to Argentina before I moved down here that I'd have to be careful going to the games here and stuff. And um, much as I've just recounted a bad experience here, as we said, the, the vast majority of the time you're fine, but well, it is it's never too far from your mind. Yeah. But it's a lot more likely to happen to you here than it would be you know, in, in Western Europe. And it does sort of so. shock you when somebody dies, like, on the weekend. Because, like, for example, if I'd been here, I would have gone to the game because I had a accreditation. Hmm. Uh, luckily, I didn't, and luckily, I wasn't there. But, you know, you never know. It's, it can be quite random. Hmm. Yeah, I, I used to have a theory saying that uh, if something happens to you, uh, going to football, it was pro it's probably part of it was your fault. I don't think it works anymore. I mean, when, when something happened in the past, it's because you... You did something that uh, allowed that to happen, like you were hanging with the Barra Bravas, or you were de going there, or you were going to the ground in a suspiciously looking transport, like a truck. Yeah. Uh, it's a famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you might need a tank. You might need a tank next time. Yeah. But no, it was famous after Boca River uh, was played in the 90s. It was famous. This incident was famous in which. Few River fans all got into a truck, and the yeah. truck got ambushed by Boca fans and shot at. And then you think, you think about it, and you say, "Is that is is the fans' fault? Uh, mm -hmm. Is is the fault of those who were in the in that truck? Probably it was because they didn't know who uh, who drove it. Yeah. Uh, they don't, they knew nothing about that free ride they were taking. Um, but now it's not the case anymore. I mean, you you could go minding your own business." Not not uh, having any violent thoughts uh, or, or or trying to hurt anybody, and then something bad could happen to you anyway. So that's I think that tells 
that tells a story. I mean, because it's uh, it's not it's not something you can do to prevent. Uh, no, it's it's a sobering thought. I mean, obviously, it's uh, I suppose one of the advantages of being a foreigner in Buenos Aires is that if you go to a game, the police, whilst they might very well, if if they get the chance, they might try to scam you for something. They're very unlikely to actually try and physically attack a, a foreign national. Um, but it's a really sobering thought to think that this guy basically died because he, he went to a football match, you know, mm. and, mm-hmm. it, and it really it shouldn't happen that way. Um, no, it shouldn't. Yeah. We'll move on now. There, there was some action on the pitch. Vélez San Lorenzo, as we've said, got, as Seba said, got called off after seven minutes. But um, some of the other kind of big results of the weekend, were there any that, that stood out for you guys? The, the results first, because we've had uh, some very good comments from, from a listener to last week's podcast who's here present with us today. Advising us to give results yeah. before we start talking yeah, about the game, I, I, which I think is an excellent idea. The first time I sort of listened, obviously, not having been here, and I realised that sometimes we start talking about something without actually having yeah. mentioned the result yeah. or who won or who was even the opposition team or something. <laughs> this, so. this seems like a good juncture to say, by the way, if you're listening and you can't think of any improvements to Hand Pod, as long as they don't involve us stopping drinking Fernet while we're recording. <laughs> and we uh, won't get rid of Zombie. Yeah, please please write into them. Um, the best address to use is probably mine, Sam at Um and now, guys, any any results from the weekend? That yeah, I think you? I think there was probably two on Sunday, which were the most important results. We had a, a very surprising result. Well, I say very surprising on reputation, maybe not so much on form and performance. Uh, Olimpo won their first ever game against Boca Juniors in the Bombonera, a Bombonerazo, as they say every time that any team <laughs> was wins it, was in it the, the Bombonera. First ever, first, the first ever, time yeah. ever they beat Boca. The first Boca, time ever they beat in Boca, yeah. Not only in, at La Bombonera, not only at the Bombonera, no. Oh wow, yeah. So big day for Olimpo and one that also put them top, mainly because Racing also dropped points. They lost 1-0 at home to Estudiantes just before that game. Which I know both of you are very angry about because um, yeah. one of the themes of the weekend was legitimate goals that were disallowed but should have stood, as yeah, suggested well. by the fact that I said legitimate. <laughs> that was a really bad sentence. Um, <laughs> and one of those was scored in... It was only in the second half, wasn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. The thing Halfway by, through the second half, yeah. By surprise, surprise, that man again. Yeah, Teofilo Gutierrez. It would have been his sixth goal in four in matches. four starts, yeah. yeah. But uh, it wasn't the only case, unfortunately. We counted as far as uh, as much as four. Yeah, and I think there might be another one. I know the Kilmes one was a little bit, little bit iffy. Uh, Kilmes drew against Independiente, but they also had a, a goal disallowed for offside, which was very marginal. Uh-huh. And also, but the goal they scored was offside. So and the goal they scored were offside. Yeah, okay. so we can balance that out and. But you I, you the, mentioned the one um, old boys as well. Yeah, the, the thing is, those goals were uh, probably, um, if they stood, the result would have been completely different. Yeah. I mean, it's not like like they disallowed the fourth goal for one team that was already winning by a large margin. Yeah. Because old boys, they lost at home uh, yeah. against Colón, two one. Two nil. Yeah. Yeah. Two nil. But uh, after only three minutes, they went ahead, and mm. it was a. Uh, very legitimate goal, but yeah. they didn't stand. It was a back pass from one defender. The, the, the forward who got the ball looked offside, but only if he had received the ball from coming from, team, a, yeah. from a team. Yeah. But it was a back pass from a defender, and it's the second time in a row that happens with Colón, and they got lucky for the second time in a row. It happened last week when they played Racing. Although last Same. week they weren't particularly lucky. Yeah, well, they were not lucky because <laughs> they lost 4 nil anyway, but I think it could have changed the... the, the the result. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it was th- only three minutes, yeah, and, and especially the whole team against, were one yeah. nil up. Especially against the Cologne side, who've just yeah 
just yeah. lost heavily against Racing, low on confidence, it could have could have changed the, yeah. the shape of the game. One of the others was Mauro Camaranesi for Lanús against uh, the team that they lost Codoy to. Cruz. Same story, they, they goal, went to Mendoza and in the first half Camaranesi scores a beautiful goal. Yeah. It was a, uh, and I think in that case it was more, uh, there was a, Lin a Lanús player offside but it wasn't Camaranesi. Yeah. And the other guy had nothing to do with the play so it should have. I should have counted. And that would have been, been his, the opener as well. Yeah. It would have yeah. been his first goal in the first division as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He's not yeah. scored yet this season. No. Yeah. And then they ended up losing 2 0. That's another disallowed goal that could have a massive yeah. impact. Well, I think the very biggest one was, yeah. uh, was the, only ga the only game I saw actually because I got back uh, from Mendoza and Cordoba on, on Monday um, was uh, Gimnasia Tigre. Tigre was extremely unlucky because uh, it was at 1 1 against uh, Gimnasia. Galmarini, he, he went up with a defender and it sort of looked like he, uh, I'm not sure if this was a, a refereeing, it was difficult for the referee to call, but he had his hand up in the air, but it looked, sort of looked like he handballed it and then slammed it in the goal. Uh, he got a yellow card for that, for the handball, and the goal was disallowed. And the replay showed it came off the head of the defender, it, it wasn't a handball. And he was protesting so much, he got a second yellow and got sent off. So basically they went from being 2-1 up uh, to being 1-1 with a, with a player down, and they went on to lose the game 2-1, so very unlucky for them. And, and the other big one, of course, which it brings me no pleasure whatsoever to report, is the one at La Bombonera, when the game was nil-nil between Boca and Olimpo, which, which we've mentioned the results of already, haven't yes. we? And I've forgotten the guy's name. Ezequiel Maggiolo. Well done. De Lechus. Maggiolo, yeah, who's, who's one of Olimpo's main strikers. Um, I think might be their top scorer this season. He had a great game. Uh, yeah, scored, scored a really good goal, and it would have been a really good counter-attack as well. Yeah. A really good finish to a, a nice move. Uh, which would have made it 1-0 to Olimpo. It didn't turn out to matter anyway because um, Olimpo won 2-0 with goals from Martin. How do you say it, Seba? Roche? Rolle? I would was, I was say Rolle. Rolle, okay. And, um, and another guy in the 89th minute. Forge. Forge, yeah. Juan, Juan Jose or something. Juan J, J Forge. Yeah. Julian Forge. J. And a game that was also a kind of talking point because... Um, because of the amount of blood that was on the pitch. Diego Rivera, the Boca midfielder, at one point was spitting blood up after being caught accidentally by uh, by Mouch. somebody or other. But Mouch. that was by Pablo Mauch, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And he got his jaw broken. Yeah. yeah. No, and that was Walter Eriti, um, yeah. who got knocked out cold by a completely accidental, or it looked accidental anyway, from the replays. Um, and he was in the build-up to that disallow goal we yeah. talked about recently. But it, it wasn't the round. reason that the goal was disallowed, was it? The no, goal no, was disallowed it was disallowed for offside. offside. Yeah. But uh, in my opinion, sh uh, the referee should have stopped the play before mm. they got to the other yeah. end and, oh, and Maggiola scored. Without doubt, because, um, I mean, it was out cold. It was unfair on both, on both teams, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so, I mean, hopefully both of those players are, are okay. Mm. Um, you know, we, we don't like to wish ill on anybody, even a River fan. Wishing <laughs> <laughs> Boca players ill, it's, it's not on. Um, but it, it was it was a strange match to watch. I, actually, as a River fan, I got asked by a couple of people whether I'd be supporting Olimpo or, or Boca. And I always, in these situations, but because a win for Olimpo um, complicates things for River in the Promedio standings, and therefore a Boca win would have actually been good for River Plate. To me, I'd, I'd always support anybody against Boca, regardless of that. Because we were talking about it last week, in fact. And You're making a lot of friends. You're making a lot of friends well, in, our, in our audience. It, what, what, <laughs> I, what, what I realised while I was watching the game was that, um, as, 
as a River fan, I, I kind of feel like it, it's the team's fault that they're in the mess, and they shouldn't be relying on anybody else to get them out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, if, if normally at, we, at a weekend I watch a Bocca match hoping that Bocca will lose, I'm going to continue to do that. Mm. Especially um, because River pretty much depends on themselves. So well, exactly, yeah, at this point, this is the other thing. It, if it's he won the like, last game of the season, yeah, of course. Yeah, then, then it might get a bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting, actually, on this point, because um, I happened to see an interview with uh, Barro Shiloto, who was a Boca legend who's now, now playing, playing for Gimnasia. Yeah. And he was kind of, yeah, going all out for a Boca win, obviously, and he said, you know, yeah, it's, that would be the case even if even if it like if it was the other way around. You know, I'm a Boca fan, but I really wanted to win because they're struggling like against Olimpo for the, mm. for the relegation as well. Mm. So he like, made mm-hmm. a special point, yeah. Not so uh, it was so important for River that match, Olimpo-Boca, that if it wasn't for all boys defeat against Colón, yeah, River play would be in promotion yeah. places. Yeah. The playoff it's they had to play the third and fourth f- uh, from bottom uh, in the point average table. They have to face the third and fourth uh, best teams yeah. from the second division, and it's uh, home and away. And who, uh, whoever wins gets to play in the first division yeah. the, the and, season and after. And if it's a draw, then the incumbent team in the first division keeps their place. The yeah. the there the would be promotees have to actually beat the team. It, it doesn't go to penalties yeah, or anything. They have to beat them fair and square. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and if it wasn't for all boys' defeat, River Plate would be in real trouble, and yeah. they are still in trouble because if all boys wins the next match, even River winning, I think they're gonna go. Yeah, up I think so. This is something else that I wanted to pick up on actually, though, is that we've been talking about all boys the whole time since since we started Hand of Pot as being a great surprise for the league and coming up and, and doing so well during the Apertura. They've really fallen off during the Clausura to the point where they've now dropped from mid table in the Promedio right down, as you say, seven into the relegation playoff places. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, it's Olimpo now who, for some reason, have picked up over the summer and, and are top of the league after. After what a third of the of the campaign now? Yeah, it's amazing that they're, they're keeping it up. Well. This yeah. is what keeps messing up my tips and stuff as well. <laughs> you, you keep expecting them like keep those excuses coming. Yeah, yeah, this week they're gonna they're gonna falter, but they they just uh, they're the top of the league as you say. Yeah, they only lost one uh, one match, and it was against Racing away. It's a match they expect to lose, and yeah. and even in that one they went uh, down four 0 and then. Scored three goals in seven minutes. And they showed brilliant fight. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something to be said for the Racing effect, I think, in that particular game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the th- I think it's, uh, in my opinion, in my opinion, it's easy to understand why Olimpo is on the up and and All Boys is not. Hmm. Olimpo, they 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 stay with the same squad they had and they had a couple of valuable pieces and especially Ezekiel Maciolo, who used to play for them and he also played for Estudiantes. He's coming back from abroad, and Olimpo on the uh, All Boys on the other hand. They sold a couple of important pieces in uh, uh, Perez uh, Garcia and uh, Ferrari, who and went Ferrari. to, who was a very important player. Like the exactly. defense looked awful. I was at the game on Saturday, and their defense looked absolutely awful. And, it, and, and who did they bring uh, instead? Ariel, Ta- Ariel Ortega, 37 is, years he old. He looked awful, absolutely yeah. awful. And this is one thing Christian that I Fabiani. think it, it's it's easy to say now, maybe for all boys now that they're starting to have bad results. Um, I didn't really spot it at the time. It was that with Fabiani coming in at the start of the Apertura and now Ortega at the start of the Clausura, there's almost a kind of desire to. It, it's as if whilst they're in the top flight, they they want to try and kind of give their fans a, a big name to to get them to the stadium rather than yeah. actually worrying about constructing a decent team. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's with Fabiani, it didn't yeah. matter a lot of the time because a Fabiani actually 
when he's got the ball, he, he knows what to do with it, and they used him sensibly as a late substitute when they were trying yeah. to hold games up, and there's nobody better at holding But he doesn't play too often. Up, yeah. But if his, you're going to give fitness, it to... fitness is not good enough. He doesn't play too no, often. No, he of course. plays one week and then but, misses but, two games. Yeah. But having him on the pitch doesn't do too much harm to your ambitions, mm-hmm. whereas if you're going to put Ariel Ortega on and have yeah, him as your main playmaker... Uh, it's a much bigger risk, and you're going to be much less consistent as River, mm. you know, realising as yeah. Hotel Lopez, particularly when he came in at River, realised, which is why Ortega is now out on loan. I'd say, especially compared to a player like uh, Perez Garcia, I'm guessing a lot of international listeners wouldn't have seen him, but he's a tiny little thing on the pitch, like a number 10, but he really did well for Urubais last year, and I think yeah. he got a move to Chile, maybe Católica or Universidad de Chile. And he's carried on doing pretty well over there. Yeah, I think it's a really good point Seba made about yeah, Olimpo just keeping the same yeah. basis of their team. And uh, uh, we've talked about it before. It's just so important in Argentinian football to, yeah. to have it's like an it's five yeah. or five or ten point advantage just to have this. Yeah, but for me, on. this like the most interesting thing about you know Olimpo and before All Boys because we shouldn't kind of run to conclusions like compared to how they're expected to do All Boys right. uh, overperforming. Yeah. Oh yeah, we, great we thing were all of, yeah. certain they were going to be the first club relegated. Indeed. Weren't they, we? But the great thing is that it's really kind of thrown a spanner in the works down at the bottom because it's usually assumed in Argentina that the two or for this year three teams that go up are going to be the ones that are occupying the last three places mm-hmm. because of the system, because it's so difficult to make the change. But since these two are kind of being competitive against everyone, it's really made clubs like Huracan, Tigre, Arriba, even Independiente Nacia. now. Like, they're all... There's about five or six different teams. Yeah, really kind of like, really Almost worried. every game in the fixture list has some sort of yeah. vital importance for somebody. And there's yeah. about yeah, it's about three relegation, 0.6 pointers every every week. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and next season is going to be really interesting because as we say, next season Independiente are going to have the benefit of. Let's all assume that all of the clubs we're mentioning are not going to get relegated. Uh, for now, Independiente will have the benefit of a really bad season being wiped off the Promedio, yeah. so they'll go up. Mm. Whereas Boca, yeah, yeah. before Boca, whereas Boca are going to be right down in it. And, but the other thing is that one of the teams down in in, um, in the second division, in Nacional B, who've started to kind of hit their stride a little bit now after starting the season, frankly, terribly, at Rosario Central. Mm. And if they were to get promoted back up, then. You know, they'd be very much looking at, at staying back in the top division because we're talking about a really big club. Zombies just come in. But even if, who, who, even uh, if Rosario Central finishes third or fourth and they have to play a promotion, well, yeah, that yeah. it's going to be a really tough promotion match for mm. any of the teams. In a one-off yeah. game, yeah, at the Arashita with a full stadium, you'd, yeah. you wouldn't bet against Central. And, and they, they basically went down because they kind of stagnated <laughs> over a few years. They got lazy, if you like, as an institution and as a club. There's not going to be any of that when they when they come back up. It's going to be a real issue, and I, I say when because I think if it doesn't happen this year, then you know they're not going to be in the second flight in the second division for Somebody very long. To say something. Yeah. Somebody has just arrived. Hey, Gila. So other other results. I think it was surprising that Kilmes got a point after six weeks of trying. You mean <laughs> that they didn't beat Independiente? Um, that was a surprise. <laughs> so no, I I was honestly surprised that because uh, I felt. They were going to go 19 weeks without a point <laughs> at this rate. But they got a point, and uh, probably they deserve a, a bit more, mm. as uh, as it was the case the previous week against Huracan. They changed the manager, of course, and now they have Ricardo Caruso Lombardi, uh, who's a manager that most people criticize. Um, we had him at Racing. Yeah. Uh, Racing played horribly under him, but uh, 
somehow they got the points they they needed, and he got a, he built up a reputation about of being a manager who is suitable for fighting against the drop. Yeah. And if anybody is going to save Kilmes, it, ha it has to be him. But all boys are in promotion places, and Kilmes are ten points behind. I don't see yeah, how I, they can survive. I, I saw an Argentine journalist I can't remember who saying on Twitter yesterday after after all the weekend's results had come in that if Caruso Lombardi wants um, a, a fireman act, as, as they call them in Argentina, a kind of life-saving, keeping the club clear of relegation act, he chose the wrong club, because Kilmes are down already, but he could have gone to Boca if he waited a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Kilmes, they got a one old draw against Independiente, and Independiente, they continued with, the, with their crisis, and they're playing Copa Libertadores this week uh, in Mendoza, and it's do or die for them, because if they lose, they're out of the Copa Libertadores, mm. which is probably a good thing for them to concentrate on the league yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. and yeah. try and get as many points as they can. I might play a little bit of, of theme music now so that we can refill our glasses and then we might come back and just have a really brief chat about the Argentine clubs and the Libertadores actually. Freshman break. I don't want to talk about this for uh, too long, guys. Actually, Dan, you had a couple of points to make about Boca. Didn't yeah, you? I just wanted to mention because I was chatting with uh, if long-term listeners remember uh, Pablo. I think from episode one, I think it was uh, yeah. uh, Boca fan. I was chatting with him this morning, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw very little this weekend. But uh, yeah, apparently Boca was just, was just shocking, and he was telling me it was the first time uh, he's seen. It's the first time in his life as a you know he's. 28 years old or something. The first time he's seen Boca fans abusing, not just the coach but the team, the the traditional, the historic players as they call them here, like Palermo, Battaglia, uh, Riquelme. Apparently Riquelme wasn't that bad, but I mean, uh, spitting at the players, throwing things at the players. Um, he said, in in his words, he said that's the kind of thing that River fans do, you know, bitter River fans. Uh, and that's the whole, that's whole, Boca's whole thing is that you know, they don't kind of turn on their team. And and for him, that was the first time he's seen that in his life. Uh, so they're just in a really, really dire situation right now. And we, we haven't mentioned, actually, that the vice president, is he? Uh, Trespi. Trespi, Trespi, yeah. He's in the United States at the moment with the national team, but he's apparently said he wants to resign. Uh, other Boca directors, whatever, has said when he comes back, we'll talk to him. But he's it, like the whole the whole thing is falling apart, really. Mm. Uh, and, and they lost one of their other vice presidents uh, a couple of weeks ago, announced that he was going to step down and stand against uh, Jorge Amorameal, who's the current president. Um, in the elections which are going to be held towards the end of this year as well so it really is institutionally a bit of a mess as well as on the pitch um, But if we sit kind of with on the pitch at the moment what would you say, like, I'll open it up to, uh, to the group what would you say is going wrong at Boca? because on paper at least they've got a very strong, at least a very strong 11 like, where is it going wrong for Boca on the pitch? I think first of all they need to ditch Martin Palermo That's a given, yeah, we can all agree on that We all know, and probably a lot of our listeners even will be able to guess if they put a little thought into it why Palermo's on the pitch every time because when you've got a player who's got such a record of playing awfully but 
always popping up with the goal when you least expect it. The coach almost feels like he's obliged to put him on, and that's even you know stronger when it's the case of Martin Palermo of Boca Juniors, who's one of the biggest players in the history of the club, is, is chasing the all-time goal-scoring record um, and all of this kind of stuff. And he retires at the end of this season, so he will yeah. retire in June. So. Well, exactly, and, uh, and normally... I'd, you know, I'd, I'm sure we all like to would like to think that we'd love to see nice football and everything. But normally, I'd, I would say that at least in the in the first team squad, if not actually in the starting eleven, there's always a place for a striker who's got nothing in his head but scoring a goal and who will completely right. ignore the rest of the play. Yeah, if you but think about Insagi or somebody so, in Italy, or, yeah. But he still needs to but even so, play he's like playing that. absolutely terribly. Pablo was saying he, he went. He even had a couple of really good chances when when uh, Olimpo was one one nil up. Defending, defending, defending. Mm. Palermo missed a couple of really good goals going chances. Yeah. Had an open header in the in the small area, and, and that's not the kind of chances Palermo will miss. But he he already uh, went ten hours of football, more than ten hours of mm. football without scoring. I mean, yeah, over eleven matches. He's approaching yeah the, the longest period of time ever he's been without scoring, and Boca as well. Yeah, approaching the the longest. Yeah. number of minutes they've been without yeah. going. Actually, over yeah. 11 matches, which I just said is complete rubbish, it's about 7 matches, isn't it? But still, it's for Martin Palomo, it's unheard of. Yeah. A lot of people thought that when, when Falcioni arrived at Boca, that Palermo would have been the, the, the most, uh, or the first beneficiary of that, because uh, under Falcioni, Santiago Silva had a great season for Banfield. Like, the number 9 with Falcioni always had a have a good season uh, or better than than before but it hasn't been the case that that long ball that Boca is uh, insisting in playing hasn't paid off and I think what's gone wrong that the most obvious reason for me is that they brought this guy I said this before in, in, in a previous episode that uh, they brought this guy who loves 442 mm. and they have Riquelme there and they had to play Riquelme mm-hmm. and if you have Riquelme you can't play 442 mm. uh, Maybe not even when Riquelme was 18 years old, and uh, I think that's m- most of what has uh, gone wrong for Boca, and it will continue to go wrong if they don't change dramatically. And yeah, and, well, it's, it's hard it. though because under Borghi, most of the players have. There's been a lot of new players coming. The, the only connection you have with the Borghi team, and they played a different style of football, is, is these old old guys who are still there. But so it's really hard to see what the hmm. what the problem is. It's institutional. It's yeah. And, and, and the thing for me was that, you know, I, I was saying back before it happened towards the start of the season that they had to bring Pablo Mauche in because whatever you think about Mauche as a person, whether you think, as anybody who's seen him does, that he's a complete moron or not, <laughs> he at least... I can back that up. That's he, a fact, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he at least, as, as I said at the anyone time... Who, anyone who's seen him. Yeah. <laughs> Even his mum knows. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh no, his, his, his mother knows what. She's lived with him for however yeah. long. You know, she she has. Thirty-two years, maybe. He's got a really hot girlfriend. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. He's yeah, a model. Yeah. This is, right. But maybe he's been giving Falcioni some pictures of his girlfriend. Yeah. No. But, but <laughs> IQ IQ of uh, 170 uh, combined. Mocha and girlfriend. But yeah, I mean, uh, my point was, whatever else you think of him, at least he had some pace to a line-up, uh, an attack that, with when it was Palermo on the Atri at the start of the season, was really, really slow. But even now he's come back in, you can't really see any difference. As you say, they're not scoring. No, he's getting himself in a good from. positions because he's so fast off, a, in fast in, in bursts. He's, he's mm. quite you know, quick off the mark. 
uh, but yeah, he's not a good finisher. So. Yeah. yeah, as we said, we mentioned before, he gets into good positions, looking for someone to, to pass to, and Palermo's kind of chugging up the field 30 metres behind, so yeah. it's just not working. And um, w- one of the, the most damning comments that I read over the weekend about Boca, and this really shows you how blind the Argentine press are capable of being when it comes to talking about the current situation of either Boca or River, um, at present because of the fact that those two clubs sell them far more newspapers so they, they try and hold off for as long as they can on saying anything bad about them is that this season Boca are in serious danger they, they say it's really difficult for them to qualify for the Copa <laughs> Sudamericana so we'll now shift our, uh, shift our focus more to continental matters because there were a couple of Argentine clubs in Copa Libertadores action last week um, just really quickly, but uh, I just realised while we were recording that we haven't really mentioned the Copa Libertadores very much since it kicked off. Estudiantes had a fantastic win on Thursday night. Um, I can't remember who they were playing, but they, they won 5-1. They've been one, Guarani, they're really... Yeah. Yeah, they've, been, uh, they've been dreadful. Guarani are already eliminated. Estudiantes are now in second position because Cruzeiro has be, have been... Red hot. Yeah, yeah. Estudiantes started really badly. They, in their very first match, they got crushed by Cruzeiro, didn't they? Yeah. 4-0. Yeah. Um, 5-0. Yeah. 5-0. The, the advantage for Estudiantes is that they now have to play Deportes Tolima of Colombia. They are in third position. But then on the last week, they have to play Cruzeiro. Well, they'll probably uh, already qualify. And Cruzeiro will be qualified. Yeah. So. Uh, just an interesting point there. I was wondering if... Because uh, what, what did Estudiantes... They lost 5-0 to Cruzeiro? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wonder if any team, because they're still considered one of the favourites to win the... Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I wonder if any team has ever won a, a big tournament like this, having well, lost... one of the things that I said after they lost, mil. I can't remember whether I said it on hand of pod or whether I wrote it somewhere, was that when Estudiantes won the Copa a couple of years ago, they were also in the... It was Estudiantes Cruzeiro in the final. In the case they lost. They were also in the same group. And both of the teams, when Estudiantes played Cruzeiro, Cruzeiro won really heavily in Brazil... And the Estudiantes won fairly comfortably I think in, in Argentina. Lost so. 3 0 in that case. But, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine any team has ever won a, a major tournament having lost a game 5 0 in that tournament. Yeah. Be Liga, if Liga anybody Liga knows Liga of one, please Liga write it. And, and Fluminense played the final of the Libertadores a couple of seasons ago. Mm. Or, yeah, a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. And th- the two results were really heavy. Mm. I think it was a 5 0 for Liga, Liga de Quito and then 4 2 or something. Yeah, in, so in the group stage. 4-1, yeah. 4-1 maybe. So, yeah, the other teams in Copa Libertadores, Independiente and Godoy Cruz, they, they played this week. Which is a massive, massive game for both. It's massive for both, but, but even more so for Independiente. Yeah. Because if they, if they lose, they're, they're virtually eliminated. And Godoy Cruz with a win will be pretty much through. Yeah. Um, Argentinos Juniors, they lost. Uh, Their first, away. first loss of 2011, in fact, in any yes, competition. Yeah. So, but they still look good for yeah. to qualify yeah. to an advance. That, that was to Nacional. They lost to Nacional. Yeah. Yeah. And then Vélez are the ones that have got to, got to be a bit careful, really. Yeah, they need to win their next two. Yeah, which is interesting because Vélez were, before the tournament, were all being talked about as one of the, the very favourites in absolutely yeah. all of the papers and everything. You know, and People were even saying that they had a better chance than Estudiantes of winning it. And they've been rubbish. I mean, mm-hmm. I mentioned last week how they'd started off poorly in the league as well and their luck seemed to change against River when they won 2-1 but, yeah, in, but in the Libertadores as well they've, you know, they've been fairly what's their situation what do they have to do in the, in the remaining games in the Libertadores they're not quite complicated they have to beat Caracas or Venezuela they need to win and draw I think with yeah, a win and a draw would be enough yeah, yeah. Um, in, in terms of the Libertadores then and, and the Argentine clubs involved in it nearly all of the groups now just have two matches each for each team to go so who do we think of the Argentines is going to be thrown into the the one eighth finals, as they say in Spanish, and who's got? I think Independiente probably. I'm thinking 
all by, fall by the all wayside. Yeah. And I'm not, agree, yeah. I'm not biased uh, yeah. in saying this, of course. It's what they're showing. And yeah, I, I, I've been, and as we said before, I think it's a, that's a good thing for independent. Yeah. They can concentrate on that, not getting relegated. Yeah, I'd I, I go along with that, and I think it's an interesting kind of swing in Argentine clubs' fortunes compared with last year when Estudiantes were the only side to make the. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, the only side to make the quarterfinal. I think they might even have been the only Argentine club to get out of the groups because there were a lot of really bad performers last year from Argentina's point of view. Yeah, and of course, when most of you listen to this episode, Independiente probably trash all their yeah. groups yeah. away. <laughs> we will look very silly. <laughs> and they go yeah. top of the group. That's a possibility. But I, I, I think I'm sticking to my prediction as before because Peñarol and Liga de Quito are the other two teams in the group and are doing well at yeah. home, especially. And yeah, that one's a very interesting gr- group actually. If if we kind of summarise it, it's uh, Liga de Quito who won won the competition in 2008, as we mentioned. Uh, Peñarol, who are the five-time winners, yeah, but third place in the overall like historial yeah. of winning That's it. Uh, Independiente, who were second, first place first even, place. yeah, yeah some, and Gordo Cruz, who have you know we've talked about them quite a lot. They've impressed us all. Like going into it, I I highlighted it as the most like interesting group with. Uh, my other my day job was goal and it's yeah it's pr- lived up to all expectations mm. all teams kind of um, really challenged I've seen very little of it but have Independiente been De, De Federico and have they been playing their full strength squad in the, in, in the Libertadores they've been playing a, what they call a mix yeah they've yeah. been rotating yeah. a lot and that's the problem they, they don't know what to do at the moment they don't know if they should just concentrate on Copa Libertadores no. or Torneo Clausura so what they're mm-hmm. doing is keep rotating and that goes against team fluidity and, and, yeah, and because you get the worst of both worlds really exactly. you have a, a slightly weakened side for the Libertadores and then a slightly weakened side for the for the torneo mm-hmm. uh, which I feel is is doing a little bit I mean yeah, they, but Vélez have got that much stronger a squad they've got much better squad they sort of need to decide what are we going to concentrate on yeah. and rather than you know yeah. uh, leaking points in the league and maybe you know losing games in the Libertadores then Decide, are we going to go for the Libertadores? Yeah, the way I see it is like they're dating two girls and <laughs> waiting for one to say, okay, uh, come home with me and well, uh, the get only, rid of the other. I'm glad you said that. So <laughs> you know, the, the podcast doesn't have enough of a Latin flavour. Right, right. None of us would know anything about that. Well, <laughs> I, I've had that kind of, yeah. It's, oh. been, it's been complicated. On, on which note... Uh, <laughs> Mystic Dan is back for another attempt at seeing whether he can get 0 out of 10 this okay. week. Alright, it took a little bit longer to, to make these this, than, than last week, which, which was kind of logging onto the internet after having three glasses of wine and <laughs> clicking some... Alright. Uh, this is more serious, very serious this time. Um, Argentinos Quilmes, I've gone for a draw. Uh, Estudiantes, I've gone for a win over All Boys. And this is just the kind of game where All Boys w- would, would beat them. But yeah. <laughs> Huracan uh, Gimnasia, I'm going for a, a draw. Alright, Olimpo San Lorenzo, I'm going for a away win to San Lorenzo. Which might be controversial, but I think Olimpo's run is going to have to end soon. Lanús Racing, I'm going for Racing. River Newells, I can't see where a goal is going to come from there. Draw. Godoy Cruz to beat Tigre away. Vélez to beat Arsenal. Independiente, Banfield, draw. Colón, Boca, draw. So you're going for Quilmes to pick up a second consecutive point? Yes. That's right. And for Argentinos to stay undefeated. They're the only undefeated team so far. Yeah. Mm. With 
four draws and two wins. <clears throat> yeah, the Kilmers have shown something. I mean, they've shown a little bit of spark lately. So I like I like the faith you've got in Caruso. It's very <laughs> it's very reassuring. I don't know about you, but I think the the, the match that I'm going to be most interested in, in watching will be Huracan at home against Gimnasia. Yeah, that's a big, big game. That's a 12-pointer. Yeah, that's right? a 12-15 relegation <laughs> and, and everything, yeah. yeah. Estudiantes All Boys should be good as well. I mean, uh, as we've mentioned many times on Hand of Pop, we went to the reverse fixture last, <laughs> last season. We should all go to the, you know... Yeah, yeah. just it's, it's tempting. It'll be the Barrientos Brothers clash. One plays for Estudiantes and the other for of course, yeah. old boys. One is very talented and the other is a thug. He's all got back from suspension now. He's, he, he, was did, only, like, he only he got one match week, up yeah. after it, actually, didn't he? He yeah. never seems to get suspended. Mm. I don't know what happened. Like, he seems to get sent off for do something shocking Extremely every week. Violent, and never yeah. seem to yeah, never seem to pay the consequences. Well, I'm really interested in that Olimpo-San Lorenzo game because I, really, yeah. I do think San Lorenzo have a good team and I do think Olimpo, I, I guess that at some stage they're going to stop winning. Yeah, but, uh, what, do, what do you guys think about that? It'll be interesting to see actually how much the events of this weekend affected San Lorenzo as a club because I know that often you know things off the pitch can affect the on-pitch uh, performances in Argentina. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they do definitely, and uh, particularly because the players were really visibly concerned with with what was happening. They yeah. they could see from the stand. Obviously, they didn't hear before the fans, and they could tell that the fans were that there was something not right. Mm. The, the, one of the things that we kind of brushed over was that I think here, a lot of the time, the, the players feel much closer to the fans yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it, it's not, you know, the kind of days of yore that you hear about 90-year-old football fans in England talking about how, oh, I remember my hero used to get the bus to the match with us all and then buy us all sweets after the game when I was a lad. Um, it's nothing like that, but the players definitely are much in much kind of closer contact with the fans here, and I think that's... Yeah, especially with San Lorenzo, because they have quite a lot of players in the club that have been there for a long time, talking about people like uh, Bottinelli and uh, Romagnoli, yeah. these kind of players, like, they've been... I don't know, I know Bottinelli grew up in San Lorenzo, I'm not sure about Romagnoli... These yeah, are players sure. that kind of yeah. they wear the they wear the badge on on their heart. Yeah. 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 Any any Portugal-based listeners, please don't write in. We do know Leandro Romagnoli hasn't been playing for San Lorenzo non-stop for ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they feel closer too because they had to hand them free tickets as well. Yeah. <laughs> under <laughs> under threat. <laughs> but, but yeah, I agree with what you've been saying. Good. I think that's all we have to say. And. Um, and there's Argentina, Argentina playing the oh, yeah. USA on Saturday. Well, we'll talk about that next week when we've got a, a review of, course, of it, I yeah. think. Um, no, all I wanted to say about that is that Argentine, the Argentine league is probably one of the, if, if, not, the, if not the only... Of course, which doesn't break for international. Doesn't league. break for yeah. international, so uh, all of the players that are going on national team duty are not going to be featuring for the clubs in Argentina, which is a shame. Are are there many, actually, because I have to admit, I've not paid any attention to the squad list. Are there many domestic players in the squad? No, not in the Argentine squad, but there are are in Colombia's, Paraguay, Paraguay, Uh, Chile, because they are playing. When's the Mexico match? Is that Wednesday next week? Argentina plays on Saturday and and Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Uh, Costa Rica, Rica, USA, and then on Tuesday, I think... uh, Okay. Well, we'll Costa Rica. So on next week's Hand of Pub, we'll definitely be able to look back on the USA match and possibly, depending on the, the timing of the recording, we'll comment on the Costa Rica game as well. Although I think the USA one is probably going to be a bit more instructive, uh, with no disrespect meant to Costa Rica. For now, we'll bid you all farewell. Uh, from me, Sam, goodbye. From English Dan. Goodbye. From Seba. Hasta luego. From Dan. Good night. And from Zombie. <laughs>